Welcome to Across the Park Podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, produced by six mates, the three Reds, Gary, Phil and Terry, and the three Blues, myself, Milsey, Judgy and Craig. Each Monday, we release our latest show, where we discuss the ongoing matters with both teams, whether it be good or bad, opposing views, opinions, banter and debate. We are proud to be a family-friendly football podcast, and you can find more about us on our website, www.acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show on your preferred podcast listening app, and make sure you give us a follow on our social media. Twitter is Across the Park PC, Instagram is Across the Park PC, and Facebook search Across the Park. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Across the Park Podcast. Myself, Millsy, as the solo blue this week alongside Gary and Phil, the two reds. Um, the reason me being the only blue is Craig's got work commitments and Judgy is in one of his many, many holiday homes. So we're going to get right in. Well, the plan was to get right into what happened last night, which is what Liverpool fans have been waiting 30 years for, to lift the, lift the Premier League trophy. However... Pre-show, Gary said, "Let's get the negativity out the way, Gary." Yeah, well, it was. It's only because we haven't done one since the Arsenal game, and we had a few messages straight after the game of people, you know, unhappy about certain things. I think Phil's Phil's got the main bulk of the messages there. Yeah, basically, um, you know, someone they were expressing the disappointment at us not pushing on for the Centurion for the hundred points. Obviously, that's kind of out the window now. Um, one guy was suggesting that that was down to complacency, which has come from Jürgen Klopp. Um, and then another person was saying, Mane aside, Andy Robertson aside, you know, uh, worrying. But, you know, <laughs> I, think, I think that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let, let's discuss the Centurion thing. I mean, obviously, not, there's nothing worrying going on. But as for the uh, not, not being able to get the 100 points this season, I, I just think we can't let it spoil the season and the celebrations that we're about to have. You know, that can't be the focus. It would have been lovely, but we've won it with so many games in hand that it's it, that's never been done before. And I think you know, last season when we pushed on to ninety eight point uh, ninety seven points and City got the ninety eight, we were pushing each other. And I think without that sort of push, we've we've kind of maybe dropped off a little bit on the concentration <clears throat> levels here and there after doing it, keeping it up for so long. Yeah, and I put it on that. I think it's like it's not they, they haven't purposely done it. It's just a natural thing. No. I think Sunes had said it loads. He, he felt mm-hmm. it himself when when he was winning league after league with Liverpool. He felt it himself once it was actually done and dusted. You know, there's just something that goes from you there because you know that what you've been aiming for has been done. So you don't yeah. need to put that extra one percent and extra two percent in that you that that we've we've probably lacked in these these games since the um, since it's been confirmed. But yeah, it's one of them. I'm. I'm not even remotely worried. I think the, the squad and team is is done so remarkable over the last two seasons that dropping points in these games, who cares? Really, it, was almost, who cares? it was almost like an instant match reaction because the two messages that we got, there was only two, and they were straight after the game. So yeah. pr- probably these lads are probably say are looking at things a little bit differently today. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I when I watched it live, it was you know. Oh, it was frustrating, and, and you were like a bit, a bit wounded <clears> at the score and at the things that were going on. But at the same time, once it's all settled down, it's one of them, innit? We, we've done what we wanted to do, and, and they, that would have been a bonus getting the hundred points. We didn't yeah. get it. Who cares? Let's just go and win the league again next year. Yeah, I know. Yeah, definitely. Even like last night, I was texting, texting Terry at, at one point towards the end of the Chelsea game, and I said, "Well, obviously we'll cover that in more detail later." But just in reference to the Arsenal game, so. I text him saying Gomez hasn't had the best game tonight, has he? And he just texts back saying, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then that exactly. sums it up. That yeah. just sums it up. I just text back, fair. Well, that's it. Oh. Let's just leave that there now. Yeah. Yeah, fair, fair, game. yeah fair play, boys, addressing it. I mean, I, I didn't think we would, but, you know, the lads are obviously listeners to the show and they had, like, an instant match opinions and it's fair enough. I've got straight back to them. Um, we're recording on Thursday, so last night was the Chelsea game, uh, 5-3. We'll talk about the game in a minute. But what I did want to ask you about was... The, the celebration at the end of it, how Liverpool um, sort of set that up because it was in the cop, and I think that was very clever because all the camera angles and all the photos that are going to last forever are looking at sort of stage and fireworks. You're not going to see an empty Kenny's Agley stand or an empty main stand. It was positioned really well. 
lot of money went into it. There was the players chose the music, there was fireworks, and so as Reds, was that everything that you wanted to see? In in terms of us not being allowed to be there, then there's not really much more you could ask for from them. It was it was amazing to see. It was it still choked me up even not being able to be there. I was still on the verge of tears in, in my half fellas with with me with my dad and my brothers watching it, and you know it's. It's just one of them things. We waited for so long. Anything was done, but that was just that was something else. Yeah, no, it, just like you know when Chelsea beat City, same type of thing. Got all the footage of the of the of the players celebrating and absolutely loving it, and all reveling in the moments. And it just makes you think: Do you want more of this? They've got to want more of this. The fans want more. The players want more. But after a thirty-year wait, you know, I, I think. As Gary said, given the fact we weren't there, it was the best we could have hoped for. But we'll be there for the next one, that's for sure. Yeah, and we'll be there for when this one we we can actually celebrate this one. You know, Klopp reiterated it again last night, where he's saying, whenever we can, there'll be a party. Whenever we can parade it, we'll parade it. And as soon as that happens, we'll all be there, as as we know we will. Yeah, but there were a lot of individual parties going on last night, and I know a lot of people having parties in the houses, and a lot of people had the uh, the LFC champagne ready, and the c- I know you had the LFC cigar, Gary. Um, there's people got you know getting tickets to watch the game in pubs around the grounds and all that, so there was plenty of celebration going on. To be fair, yeah, and that, and that's it. You know, you, you I don't I don't know what anyone else would, would expect. Waiting 30 years to win the league, and and it finally happened. Right, it's in bizarre circumstances. It's in no one would want to uh, sort of want it to be like this, but it is like this. So you've got to make the most of it. So yeah, the, we we had like it wasn't so much a party, but we had our, our gathering of, of you know the family and my dad's as I said before, and we were all in the garden on at the end smoking our cigars and, and singing champions, and and then went back in to watch it, watch them lift it on the telly and things, and it, it was great. It was I loved it. I had a great time last night. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Before then, there was, there was a game, Phil, you referenced there, the Chelsea game. Bit of a, bit of a crazy game. I'm not going to lie and say I watched it because I didn't side the curtains drawn <laughs> last night, but I've read, I've read the match reports and I've spoke to you guys on WhatsApp and stuff today. And yeah. it, seemed, it seemed like a free-flowing game of football, really good. It was a very high-quality game of football in terms of attack and play. Uh, they started off bright, but then we soon took over, didn't we, Gary? And, and we were absolutely... It looked like a walk in the park. I actually think... It was so easy that, that we maybe even took our foot off the gas and let them let them back into it. But yeah, I, I think feel it like could have been six. Yeah, after the after the, uh, the as you say the the opening like maybe what maybe ten minutes or so. Yeah, I think that I think their goals flattered them. You know, they, they had they had obviously they had moments because they they got the goals, but they certainly didn't, as far as I'm concerned, didn't deserve the three goals they got. I, I thought we were by far the better team, and I, I still don't think we were at our you know, our maximum whatsoever. I, I just, there was moments of the game where I was, I was looking mad to, to my dad and I was saying, we are so much better than these and we've still got another gear to go into here. Yeah, gears just, is a, I was going to say, gears is a key word. We sort of played in spells there, didn't we? And even yeah. when they pulled it back, you know, and it was a bit close and that, you just knew we were going to take it into the next gear and just take it away from them. Weird, as you say, we have if, to yeah, it felt like it felt like a, a lot of games this season where it was a case of if if we needed to, we'd have just went and got another one. If they just scored again, we'd have probably went and got another one. Seeing Lampard at the end saying like a four three felt like that, you know, it was the ball was in their court. He thought they were going to go and get the extra, the fourth goal and equalise. I was never in, in in doubt that we were going to get another one there. I just thought mm. this, this is we we'll step it up now because they've got that third goal. We, we took the foot off the gas when when it was four two. And then, because they got that, and there was a little bit of danger that they might get the equaliser. It was just like, okay, now we'll just go and get another one. Then, can I ask you what? You, can I ask you? Sorry, Phil. Can I ask you what you thought of Jurgen Klopp's comments after the game? Because he heaped praise on the team. He basically said, "There's an article here in the Metro," and he said that he was he was thrilled to get lost in the moment, but he didn't expect the performance from the players. His quotes are that he in the pre-match meeting he told the players it was a free choice. If you want to win, go out and work hard. If you don't care. You don't have to go because Chelsea is too good. And then he said that the players going out and playing a game of that highest quality surprised myself, to be honest. So he's heaped crazy. He's basically said he give the players a free hit there to, to knock the ball around and enjoy it. And to put that high, high performance in even shocked him. 
Yeah, and I can understand them saying that. You know, I, I think most of our fans, as much as we we'd like to think going into the game, you know, we'll we'll the team's going to turn up and we're, we're definitely going to put a performance in. It's it's at Anfield. It's as we're lifting the trophy. It would have been easy for for the players to you know have one eye on the trophy lift at the end of the game and and sort of take the foot off the ball a little bit. But yeah, as you said, they're all credit to them, and, and as Klopp said, all credit to the team because they've gone out and absolutely showed why we were why we're champions. I, th- I think Klopp's a master psychologist, Millsy, and I think with saying to the players, the choice is yours, I think he knows exactly what choice they're going to make. Um, and he's always on it, Klopp's always on it, even when, you know, in the midst of celebrating, he was bigging up uh, the impact of Harvey Elliott and stuff. You see, he's, he's, working, he's working the head all the time and, 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 and giving a confidence boost to, to players and thinking about the future. And sometimes it's subtle, sometimes you're not aware of it, but if you study him and then you sort of dissect what he says... He's never off it, even when he's celebrating. He's always, and uh, you could see on the podium as well. He was making sure the younger lads. He was ushering them to the front and making sure they got to feel what it was like to lift the trophy and absorb some of that sort of magical feeling that you get when, when you start winning things. So you know, I think, uh, yeah, everything he says, you know, you've got to take with a pinch of salt sometimes. Last time we did a podcast was was ten days ago, and I think uh, we were reviewing the Brighton game. And I asked you both the question about Naby Keita because he was so good that night. Mm. And I think you, the pair of you, were maybe a bit cautious. I don't know because you don't want to get too excited. But from from what I'm reading today, he was star man again last night. He was. It was probably a, a, a thing we said it after the Brighton game that it was his best performance to date, and I think he eclipsed it again last mm. night. You no, know, he was he was remarkable for the first for the first half and. Again, I don't want to get too too excited about him still. Just just for the reason of the league's already won. It's easy to go out and play with no pressure and and you know put in performances that that it, it doesn't really matter if you're not on it and if you don't win. You know, it's 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 of, of massive importance to everyone that that we do win every game. We try and win every game. But had we not won the game, we'd have still lifted the trophy at the end. We'd have still been crowned league champions. And you know, it, it it's one of them. I, I want them. I think Terry said it loads in the group when we've discussed Cater and he said about he wants to see him like after about ten games, ten ten consecutive games, injury free, then top performances, and then it's like, yeah, okay, we'll get excited now. And you know, I don't, I don't want to put a damper on his performance. I don't want to put a damper on how, how well he's been since we've come back after the lockdown and things. But you know, it, yeah, it's one of them. He definitely has been one of the best players. And I could tell last night he was on it very early. You know, like he was doing Cruyff turns for a first touch and, and things like that. And I thought, oh, he's up for this. Um, and like the Palace game earlier. Yeah, on. yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but, you know, I was talking to one of my mates there before, just as lockdown ended, as, as football come back. And I said, I bet your Keita sort of starts to play well now without the pressure. So it was almost, I think it was almost predictable that he was going to play well without this pressure. Uh, but, but but he has, and it wasn't just going forward last night. I think one thing sort of fed another. He was taking good touches. He scored a great goal. He was working hard, winning the ball back. Complete performance and absolutely everything I, I ever wanted to see in him. And if we see that, you know, more in him, then I'll, I'll be his biggest fan. But, um, yeah, let, let's see it next season. But it, although there's no pressure, Gary, it could give him the confidence boost that he needs. Maybe yeah, without a doubt, I'm I'm glad he's putting them performances in because it, it, surely it can only do do him the world of good. And especially now lifting the trophy, you see how made up he was getting up yeah. there and lifting it and all the pictures of him with, with all the trophies and things. That's just that surely got to got to make him strive to to win them again and and do it again and be better than he was last season. And you know it can only be good for Liverpool. And I feel like seeing him with all them trophy pictures. In the videos and that it endears them to the Liverpool fans, doesn't it? All that Naby lad and yes lad and yeah. all that type of stuff. But that's good because when you start to feel loved as a player, again, that helps you produce your best performances. So if he's feeling confident, if he's feeling loved, you know, and we we've shown the patience in in Naby Keita as fans as well. So I, I think hopefully next season it'll come together for both of us. So a funny clip doing the rounds from from the main stands of, of Frank Lampard having a few words with I think your assistant manager and, and then Jurgen Klopp. And Lampard just looks so wound up by last night, even on Sky Sports after it. He said to Sky, I hate, I hate being here, I hate this. Like he didn't even say this is motivational, congratulations. And then he had a little dig calling your staff arrogance. He seemed to really get onto Frank Lampard's skin last night. It was great because that video you referred him <laughs> to, all the subs and that, I just all sat there laughing at him, fuming, and it's probably made him feel even worse. It's just, I love seeing things like that. I love getting under people's skin that much. Yeah, do you know what? I don't blame him because. 
he holds on to that 2005 type of resentment. And that's what football's all about. I hate Chelsea. I don't mind that they hate us. And to, to watch us lift the trophy and all that, it must have absolutely killed him. I love it. Uh, and the passion that he've had there. And He did actually say before it, though, that he wouldn't mind if his players stayed out and watched the trophy lift because it might, it might you know, make them want to sort of replicate it and, yeah. and strive to to be like that in, in the next season or maybe the season after. And But obviously, as the thing goes on in the game, it, it, your mindset changes, especially being wound up the way he was. But yeah. it was the it was the ch- tackle from Kovacic. He, he's he's screaming, thinking it's not a foul. Where I, I know he did get the ball, but you can't go through the man to get the ball and take his leg from under him. It's just it's one of them, and that's what I think. That's where the argument started because our, our coaching staff all flew off the bench fuming, and and then he's turned around fuming back, and it's, it's one of them. It's it's part and yeah. part of football, isn't it? I only saw that at full speed once. And my my gut feeling was it weren't a foul, but then I one of the lads who was watching it uh, tech put in the group it was a definite foul, and then I never saw a replay after that. It was it was so. definitely it was a Liverpool foul because he he, he died the wrong way. Not even getting still into that. Still had to put it in from about thirty five yards though, didn't he? Just threw a zoom rod right out there, and no one bit. No, not biting <laughs> that. I I just love the fact that you keep having to refer to us as the Premier League champions. <laughs> I, I told you on our last show my rehab was great. I can deal with it. <laughs> Your messages on the WhatsApp say different. <laughs> oh look, we'll, we'll move on from the period. We're going to preview the Newcastle game, which is the last game of the season. It could be a tough one to preview, really, because nothing's red on it for either team. But let's move on. Unfortunately, to to Everton. Me and me and Judgy had a proper rant ten days ago because I think we took four points out of twelve. We were absolutely dreadful at Wolves. Uh, I think at the end of the show, me and Judge had to basically apologise for the negativity and, and remind, our, <laughs> remind ourselves that you know we've got Carlo Androtti there and we've got an owner with money and we're hopeful things will be better. Um, I'll talk briefly about the two games that have been since since our last podcast. Aston Villa at home, um, just a, a boring game. Um, Villa grew into it. Um, Villa did score and missed a good chance. And if if the crowd was there, it would it would have been unrest because. Being one 0 down, and after Carlo Ancelotti had asked publicly for the performance, what yeah. I will say is, if you look at that in black and white, how many teams in the, in the relegation zone with two or three games to go always do go and get results at, at places you wouldn't expect them to? That yeah. can happen, and I, I think what what it did do that goal is it it put a bit of life into our players. I think they thought, I can't, we can't get beat here again. We just can't get beat and face, you know, what Carlo Ancelotti is going to say. Never mind <laughs> publicly, but probably to us as well. Um, we probably could and should have folded there, to be honest. So what I will do is I'll give the players credit for not. They did come back into it. We did score, and we should have won it in injury time. Guilfi Sigurdsson had, had a chance. Um, but the game itself was just, it was boring. I was contemplating turning it off at one point at 0-0. <laughs> Sorry, Mills. Just by, by unrest, if the fans were there, do you mean booze? No, I don't mean booze. I, I mean the, the reaction that you'd imagine that, that to be it being 1-0 down to a team in the relegation zone after coming off. You know, a, a, a terrible yep. performance previously because when Carlo Ancelotti comes out and he says, "I've told the players that that you know they, they, they need the performance," and then Aston Villa go one 0 up, I think any team in that situation in bad form that the fans aren't gonna. It wasn't just Ancelotti either, was it? It was Coleman in his interview after yeah. the after the game before. Mm-hmm. He was he was very vocal again. Like I said it to you in the WhatsApp, he's done that time and time again. Coleman, you know, trying to be the voice voice between the team and the fans of. No, no one was good enough. The team weren't good enough. They need to work hard. They need to play better and things. How long does how long does that last? How many more of them is he going to get before you know it's it's a case of it's not good enough just doing the talking like that anymore? I don't know. I think Seamus Coleman's been been a very good saving for Everton. And I, and I think despite these, you know, sometimes these rally cries fall on deaf ears. Phil Neville was we'd lose two games and Phil Neville would be on you know his, his Twitter and, and he'd be addressing this situations if it was a crisis and saying we've got to rally so we get quite bored of these Seamus Coleman doesn't do it an awful lot to be honest but I mean I think after the Wolves game the performance was that bad that he, that he came out and he, and he had to say something if he came out there and said we were unlucky today or you know it wasn't our day I think he would, he would have been ridiculed what he did what he did say and Judge he said this on our last podcast as well is he kept saying we and he wasn't digging no one out. He, he as the captain was referring to the whole place. As yeah, well. he said myself included as part yeah. of, his, of his rant. I know I, I did see that. He, he said as well, he said, we can't keep hiding behind different managers because, again, I've, I've said to you, some of those players have seen four managers off. And him coming out is, is saying what I say privately to you and what's happened privately in our Everton group. We, we all say this, there's a bunch of players there who have obviously got no fight 
and no spirit. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep seeing four managers, manager after manager after manager off. You know, total four managers now, or five if you include David Underwood. So to hear him come and say that was refreshing. I mean, going on to the difference in the Villa game and the Sheffield United game. The Sheffield United game, Carlo Ancelotti for the first time this season played four five one. Now that's a formation that has, has usually seen us play our best football under previous managers, Ronald Koeman, Roberto Martinez, more, more a 4-2-3-1. Um, Marco Silva played that 4-2-3-1 or the 4-5-1. And that's the first time Ancelotti played it. And the second half especially was probably our best performance since, yeah. I'd, I'd say, Norwich when lockdown first, first ended. Um, so maybe that's given food, food for thought. I don't think he wants to play 4-4-2. And I think he'll probably identify players this summer who can fit more into a 4-4-2. But we certainly got the best out of Andre Gomez. That was Andre Gomez's best best game since he came back in, in, at Arsenal. He, he, look, he looked like because someone was behind him and in front of him with light, with doing little doing their own individual roles that he didn't have to do either. He wasn't sure whether he had to track or, or go and press and, and try and create. He was free to do his own thing. Um, Guilfi Sigurdsson, I've, I've been very, very critical of him um, going back to when the podcast started. And I had no time for him You know, last, last week. But I've got to again be fair, he had a really good game. Um, he started in his number 10 role that allowed the Charleston to move out to the right and I did think when I seen the team that we'd lose something with the Charleston who's, you know, who's our second top goal scorer I thought we'd lose something because he was in form Calvert-Lewin hasn't scored since lockdown it's Charleston who's been scoring our goals but you know what do I know he, he played he played on the right and he scored, he scored the winning goal I think the fact that he made a number of changes before both games showed that there's a number of players there they've got no future and, and he's having just to rotate and see if I've got to keep some of these players, who am I keeping? And I think he probably still hasn't made his mind up just based on how many players he's changing each game, if that makes sense. Well, we got a question in from Neil there, Mills. Probably a good time to bring it in. Um, he's talking about, since lockdown, Calvert-Lewin and Bernard have both been poor. Uh, they've previously been inconsistent, but this is now a long spell of poor form for both. Do you think Carl Ancelotti will slash should move them on and replace them due to this? Uh, I don't think Carl and Jotty will move Dominic Calvert-Lewin on. I think even very recently, after after that, our last game, he's came out and said that it, it's just a poor patch and he, he's got qualities to be a really, really good striker. And that's someone who's worked with some some top, top strikers. And that's been the theme throughout Angelotti being here with, here with Calvert-Lewin. He's always bigged him up and he's always kept him on the pitch, even in, even in a drought like this. Mm. So I don't think there's any danger for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think he'll start next season as our number nine, barring you know, him, him actually getting a you know, a big offer perhaps. Uh, Bernard's different. I don't think the manager fancies Bernard. Um, I think Anthony Gordon has, has now came into the team and he, he's looking like a promising player. Mm. Um, Alex Awobi has been playing over him. Um, we, we even played Guilfi Sigurdsson on, on left midfield a couple of times. And, and this is Angelotti doing this. This isn't Marco Silva. This is Angelotti. I don't think he fancies him. To be honest, I think Bernard is a good footballer who makes us play better. But I can't argue against the stats. He, he doesn't score score enough goals for someone who's part of a front, front three or four. He doesn't have enough assists. Um, yes, we play better football with him in the team. But is he is he just the best of a bad bunch? Am I just looking at someone who looks good next to Gilfie Sigurdsson and Tom Davis? You know, it's, it's so to answer the question, I don't think Bernard. I think if we get enough for Bernard and Carlo Ancelotti can bring someone in that he trusts more, I don't see Bernard having much of a future, which is unfortunate, because I, I think he's a good footballer. But Calvert-Lewin, I think he's safe as houses. Yeah. Do you think Do you think Pickford's safe? No, I don't. I, I, um, again, I'm quoting Angelotti. Angelotti came out last week and said that he's he's had a chat with Pickford and, and Pickford knows he's not in good form. And then sometimes you hear these things and, and you think, like, this is going to be this is going to be the making of Pickford. Now, he, he's got someone telling him, you know, he's going to get his head down. And then in the Sheffield United game, he, he was flapping at crosses again. And he, he generally looks like someone who, when the ball is now coming near him, he's thinking, I, I can't make a mistake. I can't make a mistake. And he's not doing things naturally. He's second guessing where, where his feet should be or should he catch it, should he punch it. And he looks for the first time, because I've always accused him of being overconfident, he looks like he's now short of confidence. I think if Carl Lanzlotti could replace Jordan Pickford, I think he would. But there's more, more pressing areas of the pitch. To replace, I can see Jordan Pickford start next season as our, our number one. But we've got, we've now got to bring a backup goalkeeper in because we're losing Martin Stecklenberg. Um, Jonas Lossel was sent back to Huddersfield and then dropped by them again. So he's surely got no future. Um, the kids, Virginia, are 
our young goalkeeper. He was sent back to us by Reading this season because he, he was dropped by them. So that, that doesn't bode well. So I do think we will sign an adequate number two who could possibly come in more often than not than, than what we've currently got. Um, but if Carlo Angelotti brings in a right midfielder, a central midfielder, a centre-half who are good footballers this summer and pushes us on, then I can certainly see next season him looking at replacing Jordan Pickford. Who do you think's most in danger of going then, Mills? From your first it, team or your first team? First 15, well, sorry. I, I would have said any number of central midfielders apart yeah. from apart from Gomez. Um, but I don't think, A, because we can't get the money for him, B, because no one will take him for the, for, you know, for the second. Gilfie Sigurdsson will, will still be here next season. Um, I don't think Tom Davis will be. I think Tom no. Davis will be either cast aside and it, it to be very publicly shown he's not part of the plans or he'll have to go and get a, a, a loan which will publicly be, be said to be in the best interests of him and he'll go and play for, for Celtic for a season or he'll go and play in a championship with Cardiff for a season. Um, Fabian Delph, I'd I'd drive myself to be honest with you. But one absolute <laughs> disappointment he's been. When when I thought when he when he got brought in, I was hoping for a Gareth Barry or you know like a James Milner. You know someone who's got the right mentality because they've been at a good club, they're a Premier League player, and they're just going to come in and make people better around them. He's been the absolute opposite. He's got no he's got no effect on that team other than he shouts at them and then he argues with our fans after it on on Instagram. It's like the worst combination. He's arrogant, money. He's arrogant. It was only a few games in. I think we played Bournemouth in September, and there was that that clip of him going round saying everybody's absolutely, you know. Yeah. And they got it. Fair enough, but you, you, there's certain ways to do that. Is, is you know why aren't you in the dressing room saying that? Why are you doing it on on Sky Sports and making yourself? He's very much Team Fabian Delph. He's he's not a you know he's not an Everton player. And you could see in, in the Man City documentary on on Amazon Prime, he, he was arguing with Pep Guardiola, and I think. Hang on, what the hell do you know that Pep Guardiola doesn't? I think he's full of himself. I'd happily get rid of him. Um, and, you know, John John Philip Gavaman, we haven't seen anything other than about 70 minutes of him. He, he's got he's got to be given a chance next season if he can get fit. Um, but I think the, the glaring weakness in our team is central midfield. So you can you can say a number of those would, would be up for sale. Also, Alex Alex Wolby as well. You know, to sign for thirty million when we're chasing Wilfred Zaha all summer, and then you know, Wolby walks in in a Zaha mask and just tricks everyone. You think we've got a steal? And you know, he's he's flattered to deceive. So, but again, I'm talking to, I'm talking to you, user football fans. Who's going to buy those players off us? And if they do, uh, you're not going to get much for them. No, exactly. So it's it's one of them. Is if if you do let them go, you're you're reducing the size of your squad, which is. Not very big anyway. And how many players are you going to get to bring in? Sorry, Phil, just before you finish, there, there's players who are more pressing to get out. Morgan Schneiderlin's gone. But then, did you know we still had Sandro? Did you still, still know we had <laughs> Yannick Balassi is still under contract? Seng Tosin, who, who we tried to loan out and came back with an injury. So there's three players who are, who are on big, big money and won't play any minutes, even if the hand was forced next season. So I think... I think there's players that are more pressing to get out, unfortunately. Yeah. No, so I was going to say, this is a good segue into some of our social media questions that we had in. Um, this one from Tony's coming by the website, and it's for both sets of fans, but probably stick with you, Mills, because it's not along the same sort of theme. Relegate, he's just simply said, relegated teams, any players you would take, question mark. So, so, so it's, it's not so not that you're down, are they? Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I like the midfield of Cantwell. Um I think Pookie would probably get a go somewhere. I don't know whether he, I don't know whether I take him because I think the, the money that's in the game now for championship teams who are getting relegated, they can live off that for a couple of seasons. And, and the desire to, to have to sell your best players is gone. Um, at the right back, who's Norwich right back? He's a really good player. Aaron's. Aaron's. He, he's a, is it Max Aaron's? Is it? He's, he's a yeah. he's a really good player. So there's there's two from Norwich that you take, but. And who else is down? Is it Bournemouth? Bournemouth, have, to go? Bournemouth have, have basically gone. Um, Villa. You're looking up now. Well, Villa. It's between Brighton. Uh, sorry, it's between Watford, Villa and Watford, really. And Bournemouth are in the mix. The, the three points behind them, um, with very similar goal difference. So I suppose it's any two of them three: Villa, Watford, Bournemouth. So you got Fraser and Grealish, haven't you? The 
you, you, you yeah. take you take Grealish. I'm not too sure you take Fraser because um, is is he really that good? Or is he, is I think he he's on a main, free is he, Fraser, isn't he? But is he just the main man in a poor in a poor team? Because Bournemouth are very very attacking as well. So players like that are always going to get on the ball, aren't they? But would he get that elsewhere? Yeah, but how do you create 18 assists in two seasons with a poor team if you're not good? Because he's getting the ball a lot. The, the way Bournemouth set up is just to attack. Roberto Martinez used to have, um, what was that wing? Uh, Aidan McGeady used to get assists forever. You know, cause, and he's a <laughs> terrible player because the way certain teams do set up. I mean, is there anyone yeah. anyone that you take to strengthen your squads from teams you go down? Well, would you take Grealish, Gary? Um, That's the question, isn't it? Yeah. I, sure. It depends on, on well, I suppose that the money doesn't really matter to me, like because it's not coming out of my pocket. But I wouldn't want him to come in and thinking he's a big fish. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want us to push the boat out for him and, and make him think, yeah, he, I'm a big player here. I'm going to come in and be be one of the main men because everyone in our team's the main man now. Right? You know, there's there's no one who's sort of disposable. There's no one who, who you look at really and think he needs replacing. We need we need to get someone better than him in and. Sorry, I was going to say, it's, wherever Grealish goes, there's going to be a question mark on him, isn't it? Because he's always been the big fish. So how will he cope? You know, he, he's not... certainly, you know, he's certainly a good player. There's, there's, there's no, there's no getting away from. Him. He is a good player, he, he, and he, he'll probably, he'll probably go to. A, he, you, you can see him more likely to go to like a Spurs. He'll go to yeah. Spurs, and he'll, he'll probably make them better, unless he turns into another guilty Sigurdsson where he'll go and, and absolutely fall off a cliff. But you can see he has got something about him and he does look a good player so I, I could probably see him ending up at like a space but does that would you not take that... like Lallana's place in your squad He's like a similar attacking midfielder yeah but Lallana ends up being like sixth choice though he's not going to come and want to be sixth choice at Liverpool is he he's, he's, why would he He'll go to, he could go to Spurs and start every week I mean the, the young lads we've got coming through Curtis Jones he'd be competing yeah. with him and possibly push him out so I mean, uh, another thing that sort of opened my eyes to Grealish, because I was thinking he could be a top, top, top talent, one of the best players in the country. But um, Sooness was saying, do you know he's the most foul player in the Premier League? And, and for Sooness, he was saying, that tells me he's not seen the picture quick enough. He, he holds on to the, the ball. ball too long. Yeah, I've seen that. I mean, that's a good no, point, to be fair. There is there's another element where some, some skillful players are like, that's part of what they're good at. They win loads of fouls around the box. So there's two ways of looking at it. Is yeah. it round the box though? All of his fouls? They're probably not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not well, sure there's, there's definitely one player that you are taking from a relegated team, Harry Wilson. He's going to come back, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you reckon he'll, he'll get loaned straight back out, or will he be part of things next season? Do you think? I, I don't think there's been a decision made right now on him. Um, I think he'll probably see whatever whatever type of preseason we have. Klopp will probably have a little look at him and see see what he's about within within the. And in and around our squad and see what he's like playing with our players but he hasn't really set the world like there as he's had a few decent performances and but he hasn't he hasn't been that good he's been um, he's been one of their better players but, but the thing but it's kind of doesn't matter because it's liverpool that you're trying to break in here and we've exactly. got a deep deep you know high quality midfield so I, you know i don't think he could have done much more he hasn't done much wrong um, but if you have a look at what all the sort of the journalists doing with the club are saying and all that, I think they all expect them to, to be moved on for maybe in the region of 25 million. Um, which you know, I think he's, he's a young, you know, local or I say local, he's an English, he's yeah, English, he's, English. No, he's Welsh. Oh, is he Welsh? Yeah, Welsh Sorry, Wilson. Yeah. yeah, um, but I mean, he's a goal scorer, isn't he? He scores goals. He's got, I think, for. Uh, when he gets when he hits his peak, he's going to be a player who's capable of scoring 15 goals a season, 10 to 15 from midfield, and that's valuable to many, many Premier League teams. And so, I think remember you know, Phil, a little WhatsApp debate when when Moise Keane signed for Everton. Do, and, yeah. and you, you, and for some reason, I don't know why, but you hooked me in with this. And <laughs> for, for all our listeners, we'll, we'll go behind the scenes here and our WhatsApp. We, we, we signed <laughs> Moise Keane and myself, Judgey and Craig were quite pleased with that because you know he's coming from Juventus, he played for Italy. And Phil made the reference that, well, how can you be excited about it? Bournemouth fans aren't excited about Harry Wilson. And I bet, if you would have seen me, the phone went off and I literally stood up and walked out the kitchen and told my wife, I'm going to be half an hour on this conversation here. 
And so me and Phil had a little friendly bet, no money involved, just a friendly bet that um, I said Moise Keane will 100% score more goals this season if he's fit than Harry Wilson. And I've just got egg on face. <laughs> I think about half an hour after that initial conversation, Mills, do you remember? I think he took a free kick for Liverpool in pre-season. Absolute worldy. I think Bro. he scored maybe maybe two in the game. But no, I, he, that's his thing, isn't it? He scores like catching goals from midfield. And... Mills, I can't believe you still get excited as an Evertonian. It's, it's just, I, I thought you'd learn by now. It's it's like when you you know town's crap. You haven't been out for three months. You, you're up for it, and you get there. You think I've spent sixty quid. And it hasn't changed. You just can't help it. You just can't help it. Look, Phil. I know you got lots of social media questions there, but what I did want to address quickly is we got a message from someone called um, Andy, and this was last night. And reading between the lines, I think he's possibly a taxi driver because what what he's basically mm. said is he was dropping lots of reds off at the grounds last night. Um, now, now, he said that you won it two weeks ago and you're still celebrating. Um, this unbearable um, tag you've got, you're using like a trophy. Um, and what he's, <laughs> what he's basically ended the message with, and I don't know why, but thanks, Andy. He said, Millsy, any chance of calling them on this, on the show? <laughs> now, I don't know what you want me to call them on, really, because you've referenced a few things. You've, you've said that they've over-celebrated. Uh, you've mentioned that they're, they're mixing when, when they shouldn't be. Um, so I'll just try and cover a few things. As an Evertonian, I was on the podcast three weeks ago when we, we talked about um, the Pierhead incident and we want to move away from it really because it's not something that we, we want to get involved with. Our show is all about being mates and not arguing over things that, that aren't football. But I'll quickly say the unbearable thing, not nice for me, but if Liverpool fans were being told for a while that no one wanted them to win things because they were going to be unbearable. So why, why you know... What, we're going to expect the banter. It's only banter. They've, they've only got like cardboard cutouts like golf and stuff saying unbearable. They're not hating no one. I'm not looking forward to trophy liftings. I'm not looking forward to parades. I'm not looking forward to seeing these things. It's not nice for me as an Evertonian, but it's it's just a little bit of fun. I think the unbearable thing. Um, last night, you've said the third celebration in two weeks. Again, yeah, frustrating. I, I don't want to see my local rivals celebrating, but I, I think... She on the other foot. I think they'd be saying the same, and that's all it is. It's just local rivalry. I think City fans would have hated seeing United win cups, you know, for all those years. Time I'll just and time warn you, again. Mills. I'll just warn you, mate. There's going to be a lot more than three. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, I mean, I mean, last last night I was, I've got family who are Reds, and you know, mates who are Reds, and I was looking last night, and just lads on this podcast. Um, the Reds who've got young children and they could celebrate with their with their young children last night. It's football. It's the most important of all the little things in life. I don't think anyone should get really wrapped up too much in it. Um, in relation to the three events that you've, you've referenced again, um, the peer ed and going to the stadium. Um, look, did people go too far at the peer ed? Yes, some did. Did some people go far at the grounds? Probably. But it was very small minorities, and you've got to remember that the majority didn't. The majority of fans didn't even go to these events, and the majority of fans who did go to the events was in good nature. They weren't doing a lot of things. So I'll close on saying, look, I don't like seeing Liverpool be successful. I think, like I said, it's, it's the most important of the littlest things in life. Um, I think a lot of Liverpool fans, because I see the messages that we get on this on our social media and our email from both sets of fans, I think the majority, like I said, have been very, very good-natured and I wouldn't let Andy, the minority, spoil it. Um, I understand you're a driver and you're probably going to, to the ground and you probably weren't happy mixing yourself. I do understand that. But look, it's 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 one of those. I'm very, very confident. I'm Phil and Gary are probably laughing. Terry and the Reds who listen will laugh. But I'm very confident that's good times to come for us. If there wasn't, that manager would not be there. That chairman would not be there. So let's just let's just suck it up. Let them be unbearable because Andy, me, and you, pal, are going to be extra unbearable when we win that sports page of cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done, well done Mills. That that must have hurt you, that mate. Well <laughs> so let, let, What's going to hurt you more is when Ancelotti doesn't win anything. <laughs> Well, I, I was I was actually thinking it'd be proper Everton if we're like 19th or sort of November and like he just has to go because everyone's saying oh this 442 is not working we've been, been Everton's again but no I, I just wanted to say to Andy I mean I appreciate that he's asked me um, to, to call his out on it and, and, and yeah I'll, I'll say some things haven't been very nice and what's happened with certain fans but 
don't let that cloud your judgments, Andy. I mean, it's it, our podcast is all meant to be about fun, and we're all mates at the end of the day. Um, Phil, you got any more social media questions? Anything we got? Yeah, quite a lot, haven't we? Yeah, we have got quite a few. Um, I'll turn to a Liverpool one. Give you give you a breather after that rant there, Mills. Um, we've got John Morgan, and he sent a really really long message, and I'm not going to read it all, but the general gist of it is that you're saying sort of in years gone by, Liverpool's sort of brand and, and success was built on success on numerous fronts. So just take a look at the trophy wall if you if you need any evidence of that. Um, this season he can forgive bowing out of domestic cups as the league title was the priority. However, great teams of the modern era do do not do the same. Manchester United, Arsenal under Wenger, Chelsea under Mourinho, City under Pep, they all fight on more than one domestic front. Um, and, and that's what we, we must aim for. Um, he says we've been complacent since we won the league um, and he thinks that stems from Jurgen Klopp in the first instance. Um, he said we can't be named as the best Premier League of all time on the basis we've not done what other teams have done, i.e. record points and dominate on more than one domestic front. Um, next season, it's, it's important to, uh, to John to address this complacency and he really, really wants to see some uh, success in the domestic cups. So I'll start on that. I mean, if that weren't reading it all out, Phil, bloody hell, how long? <laughs> <laughs> there, there was an introductory paragraph there which I left out. But uh, <laughs> no, in some ways, I can I can share his frustration in uh, in the performance in, in the in the cups this season. Um, it, it almost seems that we put a lot of a lot of uh, our eggs into one basket with the Premier League, um, and I thought that sort of sort of showed a little bit in, in player selection. Uh, and, and why it was particularly disappointing this season for me was because I thought you're never going to be in a better place with, with such a massive, massive, you know, uh, lead in the in the Premier League. So I would have liked to see him go on after it, but I don't think complacency is the right word. I, I just think, you know, cops fit to manage that squad the way he wants, uh, and, and rotations part of the, part of the modern game. We didn't rotate too much, so. I just think we need. I think if Liverpool are going to compete on more fronts, I think we need to sign some more players and improve the uh, the squad depth. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Gary. Yeah, probably. And and I, I do sort of. I see where he's coming from with the the, the frustrating about bowing out of the the cup competitions and things. You know, we we've 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 never really tended to do well. When in them type of competitions, and I know we. I think with the record for the League Cup. But the FA Cup, I, I think we we don't really win as much as, as you say, like the likes of City. That I think they've won it the last three years now, sort of. I mean, two or three years, barring this season. And I think I, I, I think I've seen the stat they won they won the last eight out of the last ten domestic trophies, which is remarkable. And I think that's the type of thing he was referring to. Yeah. I think next season we I, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. I would like to see us have, a, have at least a cup run. You know, obviously I'd, I'd like us to win win whatever we, we enter, but. I'd like us to see it take it a little bit more seriously, not not playing the under 16s in, in in cup competitions and 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 really trying to win as much as we possibly can. Because yeah, at the moment right now, I, I I would say we're probably the best Premier League team in a one-off season that that, that there has been. Even though City got the one hundred points, we're not going to reach that. I think winning it with seven games to go is a remarkable achievement. And as a one-off season, one-off one-off team, probably are the best team to ever win it. But for that to go down in history and, and have, a, have a proper legacy, this team needs to win more and more and more. They've done. Do you, they've won the Champions League now. They've won the league. Let's go and win it again and win it again, and then win the win the FA Cup along the way. Win a couple of league cups along the way, and really cement ourselves as as one of, if not the greatest team that's been. Yeah, obviously being world European and and Brit and English champions isn't enough there for John. But uh, do you agree with me that? I think you know it's more down to squad depth than it is complacency or or anything to do with Klopp. Yeah, I certainly don't think it was a, any complacency whatsoever. I think the the main target we know the last the last two seasons the main target has been win the Premier League. We got the, we ended up with the, with the European Cup, which was you know nobody's going to say take anything away from that achievement. It's a remarkable achievement, but this season more so after after the way we lost it last season was. We want the Premier League, and if it means bowing out of the other competitions, then so be it. We're going to make sure. And I know you said there, Phil, about we had we had such a lead in the league that 
we maybe could have afforded to, to go a bit stronger and, and focus a bit more on the cup competitions. But I think the league has been that elusive, and we've mm-hmm. said it over and over again. It's been that elusive for this football club. 30 yeah. years we're talking about here. And we've lost some leads, haven't we? Yeah. And and it's I, I think you can be forgiven certainly this year for for bowing out the way we did. Yeah. As as you've referred to there, I certainly don't think it's any complacency from Klopp. Um, squad depth, we we probably could have could have um, gone a bit further and and probably competed a bit better with the squads we've got. But that's what City have got, isn't it? They, they can play their B team and yeah, but that's it. If we if we if we change eleven players, we're not. We're nowhere near the same force as we are with the first eleven. Whereas Man City change eleven players and they're, they're not far off. Yeah, yeah. A couple of couple of absolute elite players in the form of Aguero and De Bruyne apart. Their their second eleven is is not much shy of the first eleven. And they, if they could field two teams, they'd probably finish in the top four with both of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that question there is, is it from John Phil? Did you say sorry? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I seen that last week come in on our, um, our our inbox, and I asked a couple of lads. I went for a couple of beers on Saturday, but a couple of reds, and I asked them, you know, what do you think? And they, they very much said what you've just said um, that you know this team, the aim was to, was to win the league at all, at all costs. And along the way, you've done a bit more. But what, what I'm getting from the messages there is we had some Arsenal um, instant feedback in relation to the Centurions and and. John saying there as well that that team now can't get the record points despite being an amazing team. I get the impression as an outsider that that some fans wanted this team to get the record points and wanted to do everything and be the invincibles because they think they're that good. Is, is that fair, Mills? I don't think it's some fans. I think it's every fan who, who wouldn't want to be, who wouldn't want to get the record points total, who wouldn't want to break every record there is to break, but. You've got to put some perspective in in, in it. Yeah, we we've had that break. We've won it with seven games to go. We've had we we've put in. We've been so consistent over two seasons, where we've we've missed out on the Champions League in the final, then won it the year after. We've missed out on the, the league by a point, a solitary point, which we've ninety seven points we got, which is a remarkable achievement. And then we've come back and won it again the next year. It you, you can be forgiven for for sort of. Dropping a five percent, ten percent in the in the performances since we won it. I think you look at that message there from John, and certainly younger Liverpool fans might think anyone from kind of our age down might think, "Freaking hell, John, what, what more do you want?" Type of thing. But he, he's probably thinking, "Hang on a minute, this is the first Premier League you've won. All of a sudden, it's the best best Liverpool team has ever been." I was there in '84. I was there in '87. You know, I've seen us win it all. Um, so just 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 steady on, hold your horses, and he, he he's seen proper proper greatness and, and dominance. So you know, you know, it's just different perspectives, isn't it? And yeah, if he, but if, if you look at what if thing. you look at Klopp's comments as well, though, he's saying that this isn't our last, this isn't our only yeah. and last, you know, big night and big achievement, big trophy. This is just the beginning. We're going to go on and crack on and, and try and win more and more and more. So you know, Paisley started off with one trophy. You know, Fagan started yeah. off with one trophy. We've we've now got four in the bag. Let's yeah. go and win. Let's go and make that five, and then six and seven. You know, th- this is just a start. He signs a new contract. Klopp. He's here for the, for for longer than he's ever been at any other club. Let let's make him. Let's let him make his own legacy the way the other managers have. Yeah. All right, Gary. Talk more about last season. He's lost it. <laughs> Boy, question for you, Mills. You might have to fill in a gap here for me, but this is um. I think it's only on. Um, or she's emailed us on, on the website question for the podcast about Phil Jagielka what do you make of his comments today and could he have played a role this season uh, and she said she just also mentioned that she really loved uh, the read section that we've got on our website it was an article I think maybe written by Judgy about Jagielka and she's really enjoyed that read but I don't know if you can fill us in on those um, Jagielka comments Mills she must, she, must, she must have done a serious Google to find one of our read articles. They got bombed about a year ago because <laughs> no no one was reading them. They were just a, a waste of bandwidth. But um, she, she's lucky because I did catch the Phil Jagielka article. Um, and he basically he basically said that the way Everton let him go, he, he didn't think was right because he was, he was being told to hold on. His interpretation of being released was that Everton wanted to sign two centre-halves, one being Kurt Zuma, and one being, I don't know, someone else. Um, but if they don't, there will be a deal for him, possibly. And he didn't want to go into the future straight, to, possibly to the end of the transfer window without a club. 
and that in turn that conversation in turn forced forced a hand that, that he had to leave um, and he also said that he thinks he could have done a job at Everton this season the second part of it um, I'm not going to disagree I think at times he, he, he could have came in but he showed last season that he couldn't stay in the team for long enough there was, I remember one game he scored past Arsenal and he had a really good game he won 1-0 on the following game he, he got absolutely bullied by Mitrovic at Fulham and he was the worst player on the pitch so I think yes he could have came in at certain times this season I wouldn't like to have had to rely on Phil Jagielka for a long period at 36, 37. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of him leaving. That, that That's his story. I think if you put that to Bill Kenwright, there probably would be a, an alternative version of events, if, if you will. So I don't know. If, if his version of events is true, then possibly because of his standing with the club, he possibly deserved more. However, he was also a 36-year-old centre-half playing for a team who were looking to spend big money and do better things. And I think you don't see many 36-year-old centre-halves in teams like that. So I don't think the you know, the decision to let Phil Jagger go was the wrong one. But I won't argue that he probably could have at least helped us at times this season. Yeah. Speaking about letting players go, Mills, we had another question there from Phil B on the website. He's saying, treat Keane like we did Blasic, sell for profit whilst we can, never good enough to play for our first team, and this window we can actually make money on him. Um, yeah, the reference to Vlasic is, is a good one because if he'd languished in the reserves for, a, for another season, he probably wouldn't have got any money for him. And I think we got good money for him. We got double figures in the millions for him. Um, and he, he hadn't sort of made his stamp in the team. You know, he, he wasn't getting played regularly. Yeah. He was in and out. Similar to Moise Keane. I think if you saw Moise Keane this summer, read between the lines to his point there, it's probably now the only time that we will get maybe our money back because his stock will probably still be quite high in Italy. I think if he had a second season where he scored yeah. one goal and then you're looking at he, he's then a flop in England. Yeah. I don't think yeah, he'd get contracts big, big, going down. Yeah. I don't think he'd get big money. Um, but, but with Moise Keane, I don't know. I don't know why. I've just gravitated towards him. Even when he's on the pitch, he's just got something about him. He's, he's got something that when he does get the ball, you sort of look on the pitch, and you move, you, you move forward, and you see it a little bit more, and you think he, he's one of the one of the few number of players in that team who, who you'd expect to maybe do something. Now that that just means he's he's a raw talent, and he, he's not ready to to do it on a consistent basis. But if he'd have came in last summer, if, to flip the question back, if we'd have signed a striker last summer, proven name. And he came in with him. I don't think we'd be having this question. I think there's a lot of pressure on Moise Keane. Um, but, but yeah, I do understand the sentiment that probably this summer's the only time but to get is money there, back. Is there all Mills? Because you've got two strikers scoring plenty of goals for you there. So is there much pressure on them? I mean, Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin have put them in this season, haven't they? When he came in in the summer, Richarlison wasn't playing wasn't playing up front regularly. He was playing on, yeah. on the right on the right midfield at the time. He, he had had periods last season up front. Well, yeah. he was being played on the right midfield. Dominic Calvert-Lewin yeah. was a really good cog in the, in the system, whereas he'd, he'd work the, the channels and he'd bring Guilty Sigurds, and then he'd bring Richarlison or Theo Walcott in. And there was a bit of criticism that he wasn't scoring as, as many goals. So when Moise Keane did come in, and you know these quotes surfaced online that Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo said he was a top player, goals on YouTube that he scored on for Italy, and there was, there was pressure on him. I remember the first game at yep. Crystal Palace where he came on and you'd heard the away ends sort of roar, the expectancy on a 19-year-old Italian lad and those, those banners for our first game with Moise Keane's face on. So he did come in with, with, with big pressure on. Yeah. Um, he quickly diluted that when he said he wanted to score eight goals. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 got, he probably got Everton there when he said that with the banter. <laughs> um, and if, if we could, if we could get our full money back for him and you pushed me and said that we could spend that on another striker and gamble again, I'd probably take it, to be honest. But yeah. if someone wants him on loan or if someone's offering half what we paid for him, no, absolutely keep him and try and make it work. YouTube's a killer, isn't it? You see these players and, and, and think, oh, we've got a world here. We got stung with Alberto Aquilani. Oh, my God. He was well, the Italian Alonso in. The thing is, I bet you would have turned down Ings, wouldn't you? At the time, you got Moise Keane, and look what Ings has gone on to do. Big Ings now, all day. Exactly, you would in hindsight. And and speaking of that, I suppose it leads us into our final question. It's a boy question, but involves a 
Liverpool player. So this is Billy again on the website. This message says, 40 million this summer will buy Everton, Ings and Lallana. Could they do worse? Drop the bitterness and accept it. <laughs> I don't someone think someone I don't think... definitely knows I'm on the podcast this week. They've hammered me with these questions, called me bitter, asked me to talk about the congregation. Someone definitely got the heads up <laughs> that I was the solo blue on this podcast this week. Absolutely hammered. It's um, due to sending the messages in. Yeah, from as many one of his many holiday homes at full 5G. I mean, um, Mills, I mean, Lallana's going to be on a free, and he saw you talking. What he's basically suggesting is you might be able to get Ings for 40 mil. Everton fan Lallana as well. Lallana, I don't know. It's one of those. If you, And this sounds strange, but, and you probably will laugh, but I think a lot of Blues will agree with me. If he was coming from anywhere else, yeah. you'd snap him up. You'd say, yeah, it's a Gareth Barry or it's James Milner. If somebody who's coming from a successful team, who's got a couple of years left, and might have that winning mentality. But, on paper, for Everton to take a Liverpool cast-off, who their manager is saying, I don't want to be part of this squad any longer because he's not good enough to be part of this squad any longer. For Everton to sign that player is impossible. Absolutely impossible. You do it with the man new players. Who? Who? <laughs> well, we're, we're playing tennis here. Yeah, that was, that was a time. That, that was pre-Machiri. Phil Neville. I tried to get Rojo. Pre-Machiri, pre-Machiri. Rojo, yeah, you tried to get Rojo, that wasn't pre-Machiri. No, we, we sent him back. <laughs> <laughs> Failed a medical. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you think he's right in that you will get Ings for 40 mil? I think a, a team will take Ings this season, and it wouldn't surprise me if if it's probably a bit more than that. Mm. I, I, I think you can see teams bidding 30, 35, 40 for Ings, and I think Southampton would probably hold out for a bit more. Um, I think if... I don't know, if, if, if Chelsea went and signed Danny Ings for £40 million and played him up front next season, would, would you say that's a bad signing? Absolutely not. No. No, no, I totally agree. That's it. That, that concludes our social media section. I feel don't tell anyone that I'm on the pod. <laughs> Absolutely hammered on social media. Um, to, to close out, um, it is the last week of the season. Um, but the game's... Especially your game. I think our game with Bournemouth, it, it may mean something to Bournemouth. They're not quite dead yet, although they're relying on a few factors to stay up. Um, I'll quickly touch upon that. Bournemouth are on uh, 31 points in 19th. The two teams above them who they can catch are Watford in 18th and Villa in 17th, both on 34 points. And the goal difference, uh, Villa are on minus 26. Watford and Bournemouth on minus 27. So the goal difference isn't a big factor. If Bournemouth can, can win 2 0, which they which they can. <laughs> no, it's 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 one nil, it's one nil because they they need the other two teams both to lose, so they'll be dropping a a, a point in the goal difference yeah, anyway. No, no, you're right. Yeah, so so yeah, you'd say Bournemouth can easily and and I'm not trying to be funny. It can easily turn a performance and beat Everton on, on Sunday to, when you you know your your Premier League's survival, your status is on the line. But relying on other factors. Eddie Howe being the manager that he is, um, I don't think you're going to see anything other than Bournemouth absolutely go at us now. Are they good enough to to deal with Richarlison at the other end of the pitch? No. But will Richarlison be thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going away tomorrow? Or, you know, or will Moise Keane play ahead of Richarlison? Will Richarlison get a rest? It's a strange one, really, because to go into a game where you've, you've got nothing riding on it against someone who's fighting for their life, I've never on this show predicted Everton to lose. I'm not going to start now, but what I will say is on paper, Everton beat Bournemouth, you'd always say it would be an Everton win. I wouldn't put a massive amount of money on that on Sunday. I think Bournemouth have got no other choice now. They're backed into a corner. A draw won't 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 help them. They've got to come and win. So that in turn makes it a game that with, with our team who aren't blessed full of pace and we don't score an awful amount of goals, it makes it interesting for me. Um, I don't know if you see that as a neutral because you'll probably watch be watching think, either the, the relegation battle on, on Sunday. I, I mean, look at Chelsea's performance against Liverpool last night. I think that was driven by the fact they needed to win for Champions League. Or I think they, they still got a chance of winning it, but they needed points anyway. So yeah, when you've got nothing to play for and they've got everything to play for, you know, I think it'll make for it'll make for an entertaining game to watch. At least. I, th- I think I think the game to watch for, for anyone who's not going to watch the Liverpool or Everton game, the game to watch is Man U Leicester. Yeah, definitely. Where, where is that? Is that at Man U or is it? I think it's at Leicester. Let's have a look at the table at the minute. So 
Um, Leicester have to win. Yeah, so United are on 63 points in third, and Leicester are on 62 points in fifth. Um, the goal difference could possibly see Chelsea miss out, actually, if, if it's a draw. Because Chelsea's yeah. goal difference is only plus 13, and Leicester and Man United is plus 28. So yeah, let, if, if that's a Chelsea draw, just and needs Chelsea, a point. Yeah, so if Chelsea get beat um, and, and there's a draw, Chelsea have got Wolves. Ooh, that's so, interesting. That's a good game yeah. to watch. Mm-hmm. It's good, yeah, good games to watch. Um, and look, I, I can't predict our game because it's impossible. I'll throw a score right out there because we do the league table. I'll, I'll say 3 2 Everton. Plenty, <laughs> plenty of goals in the game against you know um, a team who, who can't defend in Bournemouth. You, you guys go to Newcastle and there's absolutely nothing riding on that. Um, if you win, you can get 99 points, which looks nice on, on paper. It's not going to break the record, so I don't know how, how important that is. Newcastle are languishing in 13th. They're five points adrift to 12th, um, and they're three points adrift to 14th. So again, it's a game. As an outsider, can I could possibly see you making a number of changes, especially because the celebration this week would have been in full flow, probably still even now. So can you see like Curtis Jones playing? Um, you know, Nico Williams. Nico Williams. Playing? Yeah. Yeah, probably. You, you might see like the, the likes of Minamino and, and things like that come into the team. I think Salah will still play. He, he wants his 20 goals for the season, um, which he, he's only one short of. I think Mane will probably play because he just wants to play every game anyway, doesn't he? <laughs> you know, he's just that type of player. He is a beast, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, there's not much riding on the game. It'd be, it'd be nice to end the season with a win and get and get onto the 99 points, get you know get our records total if it's not the league's records total. Um, yeah, I'd don't really know what to expect from the game myself. I'd, I'd like us to go and put in another performance to end the season on a on a, on a high. Even I know it's all, it's not going to end any other way with, with us winning the league, but go out with with a win and set us up for, for next season to, to start off with a win next year. Hopefully, um, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'll throw a prediction out there quickly now. I, I'm going to go two 0 Liverpool just out of us being the better team and expecting us to win. Yeah, I mean, there's very little more to add to that. Um, so it's a call who's going to play, never mind you know, how the game's going to go or whatever. But I do think, like like you said there, Mills, I think there will be rotation. I think there was, I hope there was a party last night uh, and that the younger lads get a go. Um, but I, I, I can only echo Gary's thoughts, really. I, think, I still think we'll win, um, considering Newcastle got nothing to play for and you know, given the, the, the gap in quality, I'll say 2 0 as well. And we'll get those predictions on the social media. Instagram is across the park PC. We put the predictions up there. And then next week, we're going to have the results of our, our league table. So, some, some very twitchy bum time for some of our celebrity players. I know Michael Ball, Gary, has been asking you for regular updates, hasn't he? He has, yeah. But I don't know why, because he's absolutely done a Liverpool this year. He's run away with it. So, I don't. I don't think there's many catching him. I'll tell you one thing: he didn't like me referring to him as the Liverpool. Oh, <laughs> Give me a little preview of the Paddy Power advert. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael Ball. Michael Ball is is a big, big Evertonian. Any any new listeners that we've got listening to, to our show, head over to Across the Park Podcast.co.uk. Click ATP Extra, and there's a three-hour podcast with Michael Ball, and he talks. All things signing for Everton, leaving Everton, all, all the stuff that you want to hear. He's he's a massive group. I've got, you know, I've got no doubt in believing you, Gary, in, in him, and not not being happy being called Liverpool. <laughs> in relation to our show, guys, um, we're going to keep running through the pre-season. I know that the start date for next season hasn't been announced. It's muted to be the 12th of September, which gives us around six weeks of content to fill. Um, across the park extras. The timeless. I'd suggest you to, to go back and listen to the archive if you haven't done so already. We're always trying to bring you more. If you've got any ideas for, for what you want to hear us talk about in, in this small pre-season, by all means, head on the website, get on the contact form, or go to Facebook and search Across the Park Podcast, or go to Twitter and search Across the Park PC and let us know what you want us to talk about, because there's going to be weeks where nothing's happening. That's how the transfer window works. Sometimes you'll get weeks where we're doing things, sometimes we're not. So, any ideas, any things you want us to talk about, past games, whatever our memories, or something fun, interactive where you can get involved. We, we've got no ideas. You know, we do this podcast, so, so you enjoy it. We don't get paid for it. So any ideas you've got to, to make it fun and listenable for you, enjoyable for you, by all means, let us know. 
Gary's, <laughs> Gary's doorbell's just gone. Think the pizza man's scheme. <laughs> oh, this has been made for me. We've just lost every show. blue, every blue subscriber. And, and, and any any RTAs don't come to across the park podcast.co.uk. <laughs> Email us and we'll give you Gary's Twitter handle. Litigation against Gary. <laughs> we just gonna let done. that see us out. Couldn't 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 go without doing that, Mills. Blues, I hope you've felt my pain tonight. Let's hope for a massive, massive transfer window because we need it. The season's been a long one, but on episode forty-seven. We thank you so much for sticking with us this season. We're back again next week. Enjoy the final games of the season. And we'll see you again next week.